Welcome to the pollsters. I'm Margie O'Mara, Democratic pollster with GBAO. And I'm Kristen Soltis-Anderson, Republican pollster with Echelon Insights. And each week we bring you the polls, driving the latest news in politics, tech, and pop culture. So what have I missed this week? So um, so my daughter, I did a Twitter poll. My daughter is, she likes to make lists. She's very organized. She has lots of open projects. You know, she's like she likes to keep tabs on everything. So she has a birthday list, her wish list, and her birthday's in November, so she likes to plan ahead. And number three on her list is um, more of the squeezy animals that you get in the back room of a fieldworks facility. <laughs> <laughs> and so Very nice. I don't know if that's a parenting fail or a parenting win, because if it's it could be a parenting fail because it means like your children see as like an incredible present this thing you bring back from the road, right? No, I think or that's is great. Or a parenting win because it's like, you know, they, they the field work's intended use for them is exactly, it's, it's all working according to plan. I bring home a free present. They get the branding. The kid gets a squeezy animal. Everybody's happy. I'm, I firmly think that that's a good thing. I actually, in my office, have a small stuffed animal that my dad brought back for me from a business trip from the skunk works. So my dad was uh, like a, an engine, an electrical engineer right. for a defense company. And so at one point had to go to the skunk works where they develop all the really cool stuff. And it's a ah. stuffed skunk with a like a skunk works. That's cool. On, and I just love it. I like to joke that like at Echelon, we're like the skunk works for messaging <laughs> or whatever. I don't know. So I have a, I have a skunk. I think I office. like the name Echelon Insights better. better but, than I, skunk works. <laughs> yeah, but you know, my mom is in market research. So I remember her bringing home those little doodads from like the ARF Foundation like conference. And I remember it was like beta research. They, that was the one that had like the really good swag and so like i vi- like i i am no longer a child i was long ago but i remember vividly like the things that you would get and that that stuff wasn't as good back then this was i guess in the early 80s it was like those number things where you like move around the number there's one space you know like i like oh those I mean, things were infuriating yeah like, so i remember those very vividly so i guess this is a real this is a time-honored tradition at least in my family the only other thing that i know that i am missing on twitter because when i went to post the daily wally today i my like i just clicked on my feed just to look at it for a second I'm sorry, Jesus. But I saw that we have photographs of a black hole now. Yes. That seems really cool. I mean, I, I closed the app and went and read about it from real no, news sources. No, that seems like but, a, a um, decent thing to have caught. It's not – you weren't, like, watching, like, uh, Mnuchin, like, being mean to Maxine Waters and, you know, everyone on Twitter going crazy or Candace Owen versus Ted Lude, you know. I mean, those things you can get in kind of I real I don't know what Candace Owens versus Ted Lude is. I I don't know what that is, and I feel great about it. I feel great about it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I mean, it's, it's news. It, is it? It's, I mean, it was a hearing that was televised, so. Okay. Okay. So, you know, is it the biggest okay. thing that happened this week? Probably not. Okay. Well, it's it's good that I uh, I was booked to go a, be on a TV panel this afternoon and I got canceled. And so now I'm like, great. I can go a whole other day without having to know the news. <laughs> I mean, not the – like, yes, real I read news. real news. Yes. But not – Like, who got mad at who? 
Not who got mad at who. Yeah. I don't care who got mad at who. <laughs> I, I don't care. I don't care. Nobody's mad at each other at the pollsters. Uh, okay. What so are the top let's lines? Let's talk about how it might be time to discuss 2020 for real. No. All right. Sorry. Go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going. Uh, taxes are due next week. So get on it, guys. We're going to talk today about do people think that they got a tax cut or not? Um, then we're going to talk about the difference between Democrats online versus offline. More validation for my here's why I should get off Twitter philosophy, I believe. And finally, we're going to talk about why owning a dog is one of the best life choices you could possibly make. Okay. So first, Trump world. So I wrote a column about Trump's job approval this week. Yes. It's um, an evergreen column. It is an evergreen <laughs> column. which said, So I finally saw a couple weeks ago that movie Free Solo. Have you heard of this movie? No. So it won the Oscar for Best Documentary. And the, the it is about this guy, Alex Honnold, who climbs mountains without a rope. Like mm. he climbs rock walls, no rope, just right. his hands. And I'm not talking like he climbs a hundred foot rock. I'm talking, he climbed, and in this film, he's climbing El Cap, which is a half a mile, higher than a half a mile tall, just sheer rock face. And he's just going to climb up with, with his hands. And halfway through the movie, he goes to an MRI machine because they're like, let's just make sure your brain's not broken. Like, this is the sort of thing where people die when they do this with a rope and you're just going to Spider-Man your way up it. Like, Let's let's make sure your right. brain's okay. Um, and so they put him in an MRI tube and they flash a bunch of like really disturbing images in front of his face. And then they look at the scan afterwards. And in a control, like a normal person, seeing all those disturbing images wakes up the amygdala in your brain mm -hmm. and kind of is like, ah, right. quit showing me this stuff. And his amygdala just doesn't register. Like it's just he like he just doesn't process right. that stuff. The point of my column is that I kind of feel like that's how the American electorate is. Like, <laughs> that, like that it's just that's good. Like his job approval is just forty four percent. Mueller report summary comes out forty four percent. Child separation forty four percent. Like the highs and the lows, it just keeps hovering in this like super narrow band. And I compare it to all these past presidents, and we've talked about it on the show before. But I realized I'd never actually written a column about it. And that like MRI scene, I was like, this is kind of what American, the American electorate is like. Like we are now just like, yep, I'm hanging onto this wall with my bare hands, not feeling yeah. anything anymore. Yeah. Uh, so, and we are in some real danger. That's my uh, that's my column. Uh, check it out on thewashingtonexaminer.com. Cool. And uh, yeah, so Trump is 52. 52 disapproved. 44 approved. Yeah, which compared to past presidents is not great, but it's also, I mean, George W. Bush, even if you set aside the year immediately following 9-11, he was at around the 60s and went down below 30. And Trump's not been below 30, you know, like he's, he's right. still... Um, similarly, Obama, he traded in a wider range, although it was always higher than the range Trump is in. Um, and Bill Clinton, again, kind of was much right. more all over the place. Yeah. So, Yeah. I mean, the question that people don't know is, is this now how it is? Is this is this what's in our future, no matter who the president is, if we have some, you know, if we have a Democratic president next time around, are Republicans going to give that person like seven, eight percent job approval rating from day one to the end? Or will there be a little bit more variation? And, you know, we we shall see. Or is Trump an anomaly, which 
seems likely, but we don't know, obviously. Um, so yeah, 2020 polling <sighs> on the Democratic side. I mean, people are just desperate for like granular level change and differences here that we're just not going to see. That's my that's my headline. Like people were, you know, people were looking. So lots of releases like, you know, showing that Biden's still, you know, strong. There isn't, uh, you know, a clear fluctuate, a fluctuation in his ratings after, um, you know, after the uh, stories that came out over the last week or so. Um, I wouldn't expect there to be th- that that these numbers on the Democratic side would move that quickly. I mean, they, they just aren't moving that quickly. We're talking about a race that is, you know, People are spending a lot of time talking about among those who follow politics closely. But for other folks, they're not, you know, it's not moving at quite the same speed. Similarly, there are a variety. And it's also when you look at how many people don't know the candidates. And this is from uh, Morning Consult where they break out uh, no opinion and never heard of as separate. But you could really think of them as they're not the same, but they are they reflect a similar rating of like, I don't really know that much of that, you know, that that person. I don't really have enough to say about that person. And most of these candidates are still really high, you know, don't know enough, never heard of ratings for, you know, for most of them. Um, My kingdom for a focus group with the people who have never heard of Joe Biden. (laughs) I just just want to talk. I just want to understand you. I just, I don't say this in a condescending way. Again, I have put myself in a news blackout you have put yourself in a news blackout for decades. Let's talk about it. I want to know what's it like being you. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so maybe this is just because I, as I think I mentioned on either last week's show or this week before, I have this like affinity for Mayor Pete because I feel like it's the like, oh, I discovered this band playing small indie venues and now they're starting to open for Jay-Z and Beyonce and like, <laughs> I saw them back when they were playing right. at Velvet Lounge on right. U Street, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I have that like emotional affinity mm-hmm. for Mayor Pete. So am I reading too much into it when I'm like, hey, he is the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, and now he is polling higher than sitting U.S. senators who have been clearly planning to run for president for a while. Like, that's an achievement. I know it's just 5%, it's, yeah. but like to me, that seems like... That is, if we're going to say that there's one thing that has changed in the polls that seems meaningful, I feel like going from zero to 5% when there are so many big names who are also at 5%, like that feels real. I think that's fair. I think, you know, the conversation that folks are having on the left, this is, I guess, a, a, a hum on Twitter that you have missed, is how does this happen? Does Mayor Pete do something that generates news coverage and then that lifts him up? Or does the news coverage sort of, you know, boost him because they're looking for, you know, for a story and they kind of carry him up in a way that other candidates who are out doing things that are interesting that are getting a reaction on the ground in early primary states, but the press doesn't cover them in the same way? Does that change? You know, does that change the outcome? I, that's that's different than like, should we be, you know, looking at these polls with through a magnifying glass at this stage and like making an assessment over somebody's like 1.2 versus 2.3, you know, mm-hmm. it's, those are two separate questions. Yes. I think it's I think it's fair to say that, you know, something is happening in Mayor Pete's, you know, uh, polling numbers. Um, uh, you know, the thing that I 
found upsetting, not, maybe upset is not quite right, but this is like a Vox analysis of morning consults numbers where they're talking about like women and men are going to vote differently in the primary and it's like a really quite big piece. But they're talking about a difference of like one and a half percent basically. Let me put my glasses on. Not a lot. No, yeah. On so first of all, they they violate uh, the decimal point rule, which the AP's I, decimal point rule, do which not, should stay in place. I'm still undecided, as we discussed last week, on the percent versus right percent sign. But, but here it's appropriate for it to say percent on this table. Sure. This is like a graphic. This is Correct. not a memo. But they're like, women are doing better with women candidates because Kamala Harris is at 8.5% with women and she's at 7.7% with men. Ta-da! And this is they're, – they're <laughs> I just tr- don't think that that's a thing. They're that's trying to get thing. away with it by saying, well, our sample – was 13,600. Like, this is sort of morning consult shtick is that they produce these absurdly large sample sizes from, like, really cheap online panel that's, like, makes it easy to produce, which is, hey, it's their it's their business model. And so they can say, oh, well, 13, gosh, we have a sample of 13,000. So therefore, yeah, these small differences do matter, but I am not buying it. I don't think that these small differences matter. Yeah, the issue for me is not whether the sample size is large enough for us to look at the, the these differences. It's whether or not these differences really tell you something that you need to know right now about where the primary electorate is in the country right this minute. And I, I just, you know, I think that it doesn't. Even, even with a sample size that large, the fact that like Kamala Harris gets 8.5% among women and 7.7% among men, if we were rounding... <laughs> To our single, to our integers, like we're supposed to. Right. It would be, you know, eight and eight, depending on if you bump the five down. Like, yeah, I don't know. I'm with you. Yeah. I don't think this is that big a story yet. Yeah. Talk to me when the crosstabs are It may be one day. I don't know. But it just isn't, it just isn't today. Anyway. All right. Now we're going to take a quick break and then come back with some more. Are you good with people? Maybe you're organized or have a knack for numbers. Well, then chances are you've got skills that could lead to a new career. A Google Career Certificate can help you get a foot in the door with top employers in fast-growing fields like IT support, project management, data analytics, and user experience design. It's professional-level training developed and taught by Google employees. And it's all online so you can learn around your schedule. Put your skills to work. Go to grow.google slash certificates. Well, let's talk about the uh, the day coming next week when taxes will be due and uh, people filling out their taxes may be surprised, either for good or ill, um, at the difference in what their tax bill looks like as a result of the tax law changes. Um, the uh, this I believe this is Washington Post. Uh, is this a, no, this is Pew. Pew asked. Um, do you believe that you, do you approve or disapprove of the tax law passed by Donald Trump and Congress in 2017? Um, and then they ask strongly or not strongly. Um, interesting. The, just a polling note. I usually see strongly and somewhat disapprove and Pew uses very strongly and not strongly. Hmm. I wonder what that why that is. I would I would be into an A poor panel on that. OK. Well, uh, but either way. <laughs> 
the tax bill has never been popular. It is not anything been... that I've seen. I mean, we did, we've no. done tracking of this, the Navigator, and we've looked at this. It, it was uh, the most unpopular bill upon upon passage of you know anything in recent memory, um, and hasn't regained its hasn't ever become popular. In and any the real biggest way. shift from right when it passed, January twenty eighteen to now is the strongly approve among Republicans has shrunk. Mm. That they're now kind of going, well, uh, I mean, I guess I'm glad we we did a we thing. We did a thing. But, yeah. um, and I, I think in part it's because it was sort of sold as like, everyone's going to get a tax cut. And if you live in certain states or if you're in certain income brackets or, you, I mean, there are a lot of people who are seeing their taxes go up, which is, fascinating uh and i think is leading a number of republicans to go wait a second and they did ask um i think nbc wall street journal asked a question do you believe your own taxes are going to go down or go up and only 17 percent said that they believe their own taxes will go down by contrast 28 percent say they'll pay more um 27 say they expect no change 28 percent don't know what to say um So, yeah, it says in reality, this is according to the CNBC article, in reality, eight in 10 Americans stood to receive tax cuts in 2018 under the law. Yet the cuts for most taxpayers are so small that many didn't notice. The lowest earning 60 percent of households stood to receive an average cut of less than $1,000. The top 1 percent of taxpayers could expect more than 51,000. Unless you live in a blue state or something like that, in which case your taxes are actually going up. Um, so t- Trump supporters are more likely to believe they're getting a tax cut, but even then it's only 36%. Yeah. So not a huge belief that like this is going to mean more money in your own pocket. Yeah. And the Pew poll showed like a real spike in Republicans feeling that the current tax system is fair. And while Democrats have gone down in the past, you know, two decades, basically, that they've been asking this, D's and R's were actually not that far off, which I find surprising, actually, on taxes, that D's and R's were not really that different in their sense of, like, whether the our overall tax system is fair. But now, massive party difference, like we see on everything. Now we see it with this. Um, and their views on the tax system, it's not about the tax bill, the Trump tax bill, just the tax system more broadly. And this is from the end of March. Um the the and this is consistent with a lot of polling that we've seen. There is this worry that corporations and the wealthy are not paying their fair share. You have a a majority feel that bothers them a lot. So that means they're Republicans who say that that bothers them. They may yeah. also think it's fair, but and bo- there may be some we don't know what the crosstep is. But these are pretty high numbers that feel that way that that bothers them somewhat or a lot. So there are Republicans in there who are worried. Sure, and and the reason why. So what's interesting is when you ask which party do you trust more to handle the issue of X, Y, and Z. Like taxes is usually one of the issues where Republicans fare better, certainly better than healthcare and education. Right. So taxes is usually somewhat stronger ground. But if you look at this battery of questions, far more people are upset about a feeling that corporations don't pay their fair share or that wealthy people don't pay their fair share. Where when Republicans talk about their tax ideas, it's things like cutting taxes, we're going to make it so you can file your taxes on a postcard. We're right. going to make it simple. Um, broadening the base, this idea that there are lots of people who aren't paying any taxes at all. And if you really want to raise revenue, you got to get more taxpayers into the system. But those are all significantly lower on the percentage saying that they are bothered a lot by the complexity. Yeah. The complexity and the amount you pay, I mean, those are things people feel 
personally. Whereas right. wealthy people in corporations, that's someone else. And yet that's the stuff that's bugging yeah. them more. So that's a big red flag for Republicans. Right. On this issue. Especially if this is like the one thing, you know, you're one, <laughs> you have one job, you know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so it is a problem. And this thing that's at the bottom, clear bottom of the list is the feeling that some poor people don't pay their fair share of taxes. Many, many years ago, I remember I was just like a little baby pollster at the time working on a project with another Democratic pollster. It wasn't my firm. We were collaborating with another Democrat and the other person was like, oh, we should add a question about whether the poor are paying their fair share in taxes. And we were like, I don't think it, what? And so I don't think anybody's going to say that, but this was a very conservative Democratic pollster. And so lo and behold, it did not test well then either. It was not something that people found worrying either. I can't wait to find out who this is. It's my usual subtweet. I have a guess. I have a guess. <laughs> I have a guess. It's my usual subtweet. But since it was not <clears throat> truly my project, I'm not going to completely go rogue. But anyway, the other thing that Pew had that was really interesting was the fairness. There's a party difference in fairness, as we mentioned, but that is really just among higher income folks. The party difference by fairness is not like blown out in the same way among middle class and downscale folks as folks who make over $75,000 or more, that's where like there's this massive, massive shift in how fair you think the the party differences and how fair you think the tax system is. That is just fascinating to me. Yeah. And in a weird way, I am a little surprised if only because I hear so many and maybe these are not Republicans making 75000 or more. These are like Republicans making 750,000 or more at mm -hmm. like donor receptions and things will sort of be like, you know, they'll talk about like, you know, just actually like what percentage of the tax revenue does come from the 1% and, right. and like, well, is that fair? But I think that is a vanishingly small portion of the party that like thinks about is the, is the 1% actually possibly paying too much? Right. I don't think that's a mainstream view. And I also, I don't want to say, this is not like people constantly coming up to me at receptions complaining about this. I'm just like, it's the sort of thing that I have heard before, but you do not see it reflected. <laughs> do not invite me to any of these parties with you, Kristen. Uh, no, it's... <laughs> and another thing, buddy. <laughs> no, it's not like some people like, okay. I'm just joking. I think I've told the story no, right. I, no, but... I know. I know what you, I know what you're talking about. I mean, I've heard it in focus groups. I'm just yes. like, in characters. <laughs> Crazy Margie, you know. <laughs> okay, now we're going to take another break. Support for this podcast comes from Invent Together. According to studies, less than 13% of all inventors who hold a U.S. patent are women. Black and Hispanic college graduates patent at half the rate of their white counterparts. But we can fix that by increasing participation in innovation and patenting by underrepresented groups it would quadruple the number of American inventors and increase annual GDP by almost $1 trillion. Invent Together is a coalition of organizations, companies, universities, and concerned citizens committed to ensuring that everyone has the opportunity to invent and patent. Because the more diverse the American patent system gets, the stronger and more successful our nation will become. What can you do to help diverse inventors patent and unleash economic opportunity? Find out at inventtogether.org. Learn more and take action today. Okay, so we're back from break. And this poll, it was on the front page of the New York Times, but everyone was act acting like they found some secret report, like, you know, because people were going crazy. Like, everyone needs to read this report. Like, 
Everyone is going to read it. It's on the front page of the Times, and it's been in my feed like a thousand times today. Um, and it is about online Twitter dims versus the rest of the Democratic audience. Well, not just Twitter, but like people on social media generally. And this is the Hidden Tribes project, which I think we've talked about their work mm-hmm. before, but this is like a, a like a sub analysis from that data set. I think that the Times wrote about. Yeah, so this was th- their report came out a couple of months ago and and really looked at the ways in which sort of the far right and far left diverge from this middle that's a, a complicated mosaic of people who are varying levels of disaffected and frustrated, but for slightly different reasons. But that then on the outsides you have the sort of far right and far left that just don't yeah. they like don't line up at all on w- with the middle on a lot of things. Um, so here, I guess this is not looking at like far left versus far right. It's looking at right the people on the internet, and this is something you know when we started Echelon a couple of years ago, we wanted to say, look, we want to use digital signals to help us better understand public opinion, knowing full well that Twitter is not a representative sample of the American electorate, what? and this yeah. like confirms in stark detail that. That if that is true, that there are things you can learn from studying the online population, but it is not representative of the full population. Twitter is not real life. Which is why it's so Is real life easy. more like real life, are you finding? <laughs> real <laughs> life is, is delightful without Twitter. Um, so, yeah, uh, those Democrats who use social media um, are overwhelmingly progressive, whereas those who do not use social media, actually a majority of them identify as either moderate or conservative. Seven in 10 Democrats who do not use social media say political correctness is a problem in that the U.S. phrase is just like nails on a I was going to say, your face me. looks <laughs> like, like oh, you do not like that. No, <laughs> it's just, um, it's such a problematic phrase. It doesn't have any one clear meaning. It's, you know, it, it, it buys into kind of this sort of, it, it buys into kind of a Trump message of like, I don't want to be politically correct. So that means I'm allowed to say incredibly racist sounding things. I mean, that's that's the that's what politically correct now means. It means Trump saying horrible, horrible things from our president. So the fact that we're like using this phrase to somehow compare Democrats to me, I find problem, you know, really deeply problematic. We, you know, it's using a phrase that ha- like has a real strong negative connotation for a lot of folks and an amorphous, ambiguous phrase for everybody else. And when you say it's a problem, like, I don't even know what that means. When you say it's political correctness is a problem, what does that actually mean? Does that mean like this this issue is a problem because you have, you know, people saying, cra- you know, crazy things under the guise of saying they don't want to be politically correct anymore. Or do you mean like it's it's becoming so you can't, you know, say obnoxious stuff about your neighbor anymore? I mean, what does that mean? So I, I so I find that phrase as like a way to segment people like a real problem. Sorry. But anyway, the rest of the data I find very interesting is that phrase like I can't. Yeah. The, the demographic portrait of the online Democrat versus offline Democrat, they're more likely to be white, to have a college degree, to say they've become more liberal in their lifetime. And they're also much more likely to do other things associated with political activism, like donate to a political organization or attend a protest. Um, The sort of progressive activist 
wing of the party. So they again, they they break things down. This is their tribes from the first report. Progressive activists, traditional liberals, passive liberals, moderates, politically disengaged. And the politically disengaged, I actually thought was kind of alt-righty in some ways mm. from their original report. Mm. But I suppose there are the politically disengaged Democrats as well who right. they dabble in some who knows right um but they're overwhelmingly the if you are white and you have a college degree you're more likely to be in that progressive activist bucket where it's less pronounced for other types of democrats i I, that sounds right to me i mean remember the you know pew did their typology and they had you know four different kinds of democratic groups and four different kinds of republicans and the most progressive democratic group were white college educated disproportionately women, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, so that's, I think this is consistent with that. I guess I don't, what I don't know, but it's still interesting nonetheless because, you know, there's social media drives a lot of conversation, but is social, you know, what's the causality here when you say, oh, Democrats on social media are X, Y, and Z? That doesn't mean that hanging out on social media makes you liberal or makes, you know, you've now been kind of swept up in a river of progressive this you know discourse online and now you think that that's your that's what everybody is and so you are now become more liberal i don't know if that's i don't think that's what they're saying but it's just a thing to be you know reminded of that just because this group is on social media and they're different doesn't mean that social media is the reason the causality behind all these the last thing that i wonder about and i did not see this in the big analysis but perhaps i skipped it is age as a factor here. Now, granted, as I am what, like, my grandma is on Facebook, right? That social media is not just a thing for the kids these days. But I have to wonder to what extent is is age a factor here? So, like, is it that being on social media is correlated with being more progressive or is being younger correlated with being more progressive right. and they just happen to be on social media? I mean, so... This is not implying any causality for sure, but I didn't see any discussion of age as a factor here. Perhaps I missed it, but uh, that to me is like something that would be really interesting. So and just as a thing, which is worthwhile to remember, Democrat. So they define Democrats on social media are Democratic leaning voters who said they have posted political content on social media in the last year. Good. I, so and that's like, I think that's a good way to define it. So it's, it's not, not just, just like, people who want to see the Daily Wally. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Everybody should want to see the Daily Wally. Yes. So, um, so that's, I think, important distinction that it's, you know, people who behave, who, who say they're Democrats in some way on social media. So given this, is this, if, if you are a Democratic candidate for president, I mean, on the one hand, it's got to feel like, when the 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 dust up of the moment on social media, like, don't you have to respond to it or don't you? I mean, to me, this suggests maybe not. But the ones the people who are online are the ones giving. They are the ones going to rallies. They are, you know, they're more engaged. So even if they are a small and unrepresentative slice of the Democratic Party, if that if they're where the action is. I feel like that's a tough strategic thing to grapple with for a yeah, Democratic I mean, candidate. you know, how much do you play to that audience versus not? I mean, it depends on for what. If it's to, you know, if it's to get uh small dollar online donations from around the country, maybe if it's to get people to show up at a rally, that may be a little bit different. Is it to get people who are actually reliable voters who are with clear vote history who vote all the time, you know? 
then that may be a different group. Yeah. And, but if you're trying to, you know, drive press, I mean, you know, that's, these are all these are all challenges. It's always a good reminder that social media is not real life. And, you know, that's all. I mean, that's always true. I mean, it's true for a business that like the folks who write in with their complaints are not necessarily representative of you know everybody who uses your products. It's kind of, you know, it's kind of like that. Yep. Like, um you, you know, you have to you have to listen to both the people who email you with a complaint or tweet their opinion and the vat, you know, everybody who is engaged in your topic or with your candidate. Speaking of which, we have not put out. We used to give our listeners micro assignments. Yeah, I know. We we've haven't done that. given homework in like three years. Can we reassign? Like if you are a listener who has yeah. never written a review of our show. Yeah. If you've made it this far in, presumably you like us. I Question so. mark. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we would love if you would I write know, reviews. That would boost us in the algorithm. And as primary season, or share this could count as your democratic thing you've done, or political thing. But if whether you're Democrat or Republican, the political thing you've done <laughs> on social media in the last year would be like telling your friends to listen to the show. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. Check that box, guys. Get it done. And then you're like, oh, I am now. An online Twitter Democrat. <laughs> Jump into Twitter that crosstab. Dive on in. Dive on in. And now I'm suddenly becoming more liberal or more conservative. Um, okay. So finally, speaking of speaking Twitter. Speaking of the Twitter and of the Daily Wally, we have a new analysis of general social survey data from 2018 about American pet ownership. This was one of our most popular tweets that the pollsters has had about like an art, an article that wasn't like what were some like, of the what was some of the discussion around it i mean you know like dogs are great basically i think was well, most of the response <laughs> zero <laughs> pinocchios fact check true uh general social survey finds that there are about 4 in 10 american families do not have a pet um about a third have a dog only um about 14% have a dog and a cat 11% are cat-only households, 4% are other, presumably fish, hamster, pocket pets, ferret, hedgehog, yeah. giraffe, pig, who knows? Tiny pig. That's <laughs> a good one. Uh, tiny pigs. Um, in news Chickens, that does, if you're in Tacoma Park, it might be a chicken. Does that count as a pet, though? Or is that like a I don't. I don't think Diane would like you to call eggs. Her, her eggs. Her chickens are part of the family. Okay. Little Midge and... Hen, whatever their names are. That's fantastic. Dottie, uh, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> There's, I, if I ever get a chicken, its name has to be Pruckers. There's like this video game called Stardew Valley. If you've never played it, it's an amazing way to throw away about 100 hours of your life. Um, but you get like, it's like Farmville, but you don't have to like spam people on Facebook. It's just Mm. you mm-hmm. and they give you you get you can get a chicken and my husband like what he's like you have to name the chicken pruckers like that it like auto generates names for you to choose from and so pruckers the chicken one day i'm gonna okay. have a chicken named pruckers but i don't know that i would consider the chicken a pet well maybe i will i you don't i, I won't we don't know, know how until... the question was structured if it was open end <clears throat> or a pre-coded list or what uh but when they then ask people are you happy What's your happiness level? Are you very happy? People who own a dog, 36% of them, very happy. If you have a dog and a cat, 28%. If you have a cat only, 18%. And people without pets, 32%. So your best bet is to have just a dog. Don't get a cat. But the co- we don't know if they correlation... They inside your house. If correlation... They scratch. Implies causation. Ugh. 
It could be. I 100% believe that, that owning a cat does not make you happier. people have a dog could live in larger spaces, so they have more space, and so therefore they say they're Depends happier. on what type of dog. There are plenty of dogs True. that are, would love some apartment living. True. You know. I know, but just, you know, cats. Anyway, that could be part of the thing. It could be that it, you might be more likely to have kids if you have a dog. I don't. We don't know. There may be other confounds here. We don't know. Uh, that I think you're just trying con- to wave away the reality no. that having a dog. I've had both. Is I am amazing. truly a swing voter. <laughs> I am truly bipartisan. <laughs> like I am that perfect swing voter. Truly bipartisan. I I vote for the animal, not the individual animal, not for the like the you know the genus and species. But okay. um, uh, I have had dogs. I've had cats. I like them all. I have found that owning a dog has, I have built up more of that like David Brooksian social capital, like knowing your neighbors. Yes. Uh, even though I mo- I know their pets' names better than I know yeah. their names. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I know more people in the neighborhood now. I have more fulfilling social interactions with strangers because previously it was mostly just Twitter. And now mm. it's like people asking to pet my dog. And those are the opposite oh, ways to engage with strangers yes. um, in every possible way. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, that's nice. Here they say that they've asked if you own a pet, what percentage of people seek comfort from their pet? 63% of dog owners compared to only 51% of cat owners. I used to kind of be mm. dismissive, mm-hmm. we will say, of when people would say, I need an emotional support animal. Right, I right. need to bring this emotional support animal with me everywhere. Uh, and now I'm like, mm, yeah. Do I need Wally as an yeah. I, uh, Wally gives me emotional support. I don't need him. I'm I'm able to be resilient and go out into the world. And this is not a judgment against anyone who uh, does really needs emotional generally support. truly needs emotional support. But uh, my thinking has become a little more relaxed on mm-hmm. the topic mm-hmm. since now being like, oh, I love finding places where I can take Wally, and yes. it's not a problem. Side note: This past weekend, my parents were in town visiting. They come to visit every couple of years. We drove out into northern Virginia, like past Dulles, to go see the countryside and try to get Wally to fetch, and he doesn't fetch. Um, And on our drive back, we passed a little sign for a brewing company, Solace Brewing, which kind of sounds like my old last name, Soltis. And so we were like, oh, we like beer. So let's Google it. And it was like, you can bring food and you can bring a dog. And I was like, well, we've got Wally and we've got a to-go basket of barbecue. Let's go to this brewery. And all of these breweries out in Northern Virginia, you can bring your dog inside. So it's pretty great. I'm a pretty big fan of all that. Yeah. I can't um, imagine my cats wanting to go to a brewery. (laughs) (laughs) That is not not their jam. But I have been bonding a lot with my cats recently. So I'm, I'm open sweet. to being more positive about cats. My yeah. bad experience with cats is purely about my sister's demonic cat, Mimi, which... I mean, they vary tremendously, were, just like dogs. You know, they just vary. Yeah. They vary tremendously. I mean, there is a house a couple doors down, and they have two cats who, like, just kind of sit on their porch. And when somebody walks by, the cats come running to greet you and, like, get cuddles. And then... Oh, that's nice. So it's really nice. And so, you know, even Beckett, who like does not take very good direction on how best to pet a cat. These cats are like, okay, we we will tolerate you like rubbing us in the wrong direction. <laughs> like <laughs> shouting at us like <laughs> cuz that's the kind of cats we are. My cats are like, that's not really our thing. Anyway, so 
Um, so cats can behave like dogs or in the th- way that people want out of a dog, which is like constant attention. Anyway, I'm in favor of both. You're team both? I'm team both. I'm that like 9% pure undecided. Okay. Pure independent. Okay. What we learned this week, Wally makes people happy. Taxes, not so much. 2020 subgroup polling, that does not make me happy. And Twitter is not real life. <laughs> Those are our findings. What's on the trend line this week? Uh, this week, I'm going to be talking to Logan Dobson, oh, yes. Twitter friend of the show, yeah. who was recently at the NRSC and is now at Targeted Victory. He's going to join us to talk about uh, that transition and lessons learned from this working on the Senate side of things in the last cycle. Um, so that should be good times. I'm excited about it. Cool. Okay. You can find us on the pollsters at at the pollsters on Twitter or at Margie O'Meara. You can tweet into the void at at Anderson, and maybe I'll see your tweets in a few weeks when I come back. Uh, you can find us at www.thepolsters.com or on Facebook. Thanks. Bye.